Welcome to the Raptor Show on Sports 590 The Fan. As a reminder, we are streaming live on Fan 590 Monday to Friday between 2 and 3 p.m. The TV and the YouTube will eventually be back. But uh, for at least the second round of uh, the playoffs, which the Raptors are unfortunately not a part of, uh, we're going to, you know, step down a little bit here. And, uh, you know, we'll be we'll be back up when the conference finals are taking place and the finals are taking place. Next to me, though, still Alex Wong. I'm still your host, Wooloo. Alex, how was your weekend, man? I hope you consumed zero Raptors content because we all needed some time to disconnect. Yeah, I was trying to, you know, take it easy on the weekend. And then the news of Joel Embiid's injury right, came out right, right. on Friday night. He suffered a orbital fracture. He's got a concussion. So he's at least out for the first two games against Miami in the second round. And uh, yeah, seemed like there was a lot of blame to go around. You know, people were going at Pascal. I think Doc Rivers was asked about it because they were up by 29. And, uh, you know, some Toronto reporters who made some comments. Yeah. Maybe on the show later this week to talk about it. Yeah, I was going to say, um, look, I mean, it got ugly, um, as you could probably expect between these two fan bases over something that is objectively a bit of the uglier side of sports. Um, and I think that it's totally natural. If you put yourself into the f- shoes of a Philly fan, um, you would be devastated by this news. Like, it's so unfortunate, right? And it's something that is not quick to recover from. It's something that even if he plays, he's going to have to play with a mask on. And, you know, we see the effects of that. And, um, you know, for the timing of it and, and just when it seemed like the Sixers had something go right for them, it got taken away from them. I can see the frustration. I could see... um what they were saying about, you know what, this is, you know, I, I understand, I guess. I, I don't agree with the idea that, like, Pascal intentionally hurt him. I don't even agree with the idea that Pascal intentionally tried to play physical with him. I think that it was a point in the game where he was taking a strong to the hole, blinking a basketball play. We literally see people connecting elbows to the face all the time, including earlier in this series with Joel Embiid, it happening multiple times. Right, game one, knocking out um, Cam Birch. And my point, this is not to like make some sort of false equivalency because it's not. Um, my point of it is that's just how basketball is played. You're probably going to catch an elbow to the face at some point. And it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate that it happened late in the game, up 30 with four minutes left. I think there was a very good opportunity for Doc to take his guys out. I know his excuse was, well, the other team had their team in and had their guys in. I'm sorry, but... it. it you shouldn't have your guys in up 30 with four minutes left. The Raptors are about to finish their season. You guys are about to go to the second round. You guys have a very tough opponent waiting for you. Like, you shouldn't have your players on the floor. But also, I can't fully blame him because it's like, well, um, it just happens. I don't know. You're just playing basketball, right? And, and I, I think ultimately, things happen in basketball. I think it was the play was reviewed. Um, originally, it was uh, reviewed as not even a flagrant foul. Which, to be fair, if they wanted to assess a flagrant foul, I think we've seen elbows to the face assess as flagrants. I wouldn't have minded at that. But at the same time, it was like, you know what? They reviewed it, then they challenged it, then they overturned the call. Um, But anything sort of goes beyond that. And and Pascal did apologize for it too as well because I think he did realize that like, you know, what had happened and he apologized to to Joel after the game and everything like that um, publicly as well. It's just, this is just a game. I don't know. Um, Injuries are part of the game. 
and it's really unfortunate that it happened to him. But I think anything else that goes beyond that, I saw some people saying Pascal should be suspended. Like, suspended for what? Playing basketball? Are you serious? I mean, if, if, we're, so, if we're talking about elbows connecting the faces leading to suspensions, Joel might have played like three games of that series. Which, again, I'm not trying to like draw a false equivalency. It's just that's how, you know, the game is played. You could be an adult about it. It's very unfortunate. It's very upsetting news. Even as a, you know, obviously the Raptors are out. So I don't necessarily have an agenda for or against the Sixers. I just want to see the best basketball product as a fan of the league. And obviously, Joel not being available really hurts. But I don't see the need to to go beyond that. And quite frankly, you know, I could see Sixers fans being mad. Some of the tweets in the moment are also, you know, they were celebrating the play, which, quite frankly, they're not. There's, a, I think, there's also a false equivalency that's being drawn of like, you're celebrating a man getting hurt versus you're celebrating a play being made. And I think that you have to really be um, fair in how you're, you're looking at that. Because even if you're just talking about, okay, beyond the fact that, I'm not saying that people were celebrating because Pascal scored, right? It was a 30-point game. It was a blowout at that point. But it's like, at, around that time, Joel had made a number of overtures towards the crowd. Again, we've talked about the idea of the villain, right? And he really embraced that role. And when you see the villain getting hit, or if you see him getting knocked down a peg, people aren't always going to celebrate that. That's part of what the villain is. People root for the villain to fail. People were not rooting for the villain to have his face broken. And I don't think the fans created this atmosphere. I don't think the fans cheered the injury either. It's the idea that like uh, someone was antagonizing you, also you're getting beat, and you make a play. But I also don't think it was anything intentional. And I think that I think some of the discourse around it has just gotten so far, um, you know. And again, I, I sympathize for Sixers fans, man. It's really unfortunate. I don't think anyone wanted to see this. Um, but you know, it is what it is. We'll, yeah, we'll still be covering the Sixers, I guess, because we'll be looking at the rest of the playoffs. But this is my very long rant coming into this. This is the only time I thought about the Raptors all, all weekend was when this news happened and. Uh, when everyone kind of rushed to trying to blame Pascal, who, like, if you have even seen one or two interviews with Pascal, this is, like, one of the nicest people in the whole league. Yeah, and I think the two main things for me, and I think you've mentioned them already, is, like, first, you know, Pascal and Joel talked about it after the game, you know, on the court, and there doesn't seem to be any issues there. And number two, I think it is separating, you know, in the heat of that moment, after MB does the airplane celebration, you know, the series is effectively over, I think it's just a natural reaction for fans to to cheer, you know, Pascal and the team kind of fighting back in a way. And that's separate from, oh, you know, Pascal threw an elbow to Joel Embiid's face or Pascal, you know, injured Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Like, th- that's just a very, like, heat of the moment. Now, you know, should, should, should we be, you know, celebrating or tweeting about it? I mean, those are separate conversations, and I'm sure we can have them later. But, yeah, no, I'm with you. It, it, it is a very unfortunate thing. But, yes, that's the only time that I consumed, uh, you know, any Raptors-related content. And by the way, I, I did quickly log off because I was like, this is not going to be productive. <laughs> a situation like that, it's just like people were like, yeah, they like they saw my tweet, which all I said tweeted was, yes, Pascal. People were like, oh, I'm going to find this man in the street and punch him in the face. And I'm like, you're not going to see me first off. Second of all, you're not going to step to me. And third of all, you're just really, really corny. Just go go outside Touch some grass. Go watch a Joel Embiid highlight. Like, just come on, man. What are we yeah, doing? things were more peaceful the night before and everybody just pulled up all my tweets talking about how the Raptors are going to come back from 3-0. Being like, see you in Cancun. <laughs> I miss those days. You're, they're literally going to Cancun too. 
Yeah, yeah. Let's stop revealing where I'm going. Um, so what, do you think the fan base is gonna pull up on you in Cancun? Nah, man. I only tweet the same. I only in, tweet uh, the same three things in June. Anyways, happy actual Asian Heritage Month. Mm-hmm. You know, every guest this month got to tell us about a favorite Asian athlete. Okay. Okay. Can't just come on here talking about Sandra O. Oh. Well, well, go ahead. <laughs> or Alex. Michelle Yeoh. You know. Wow. Uh, today, my favorite Asian athlete, uh, you know, is uh, Ichiro Suzuki. Yeah. Oh, man. So a that's legend. one of my favorites growing All-time up. All-time legend, actually, though. Like, in high school, like, I know now, I, I think Japanese players in uh, Major League Baseball is more common. But back I in mean, my... I mean, literally the best player in the whole league is Japanese? Yeah, yeah, but back in my day, yeah. you know, Hideo Nomo was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Hideki Matsui. Yep. But I remember Ichiro was just, you know, he was just different. No, different Ich- beasts. Ichiro had, like some of the craziest highlights. It was really cool. First off, like the ability, the, the way he swung at the ball, the way he got on base. Yeah. The, the, always the idea that like he could hit for power, but he just chose not to. Right. Welcome to the Raptors show. Off-season edition. Yeah, it's the off-season, people. We're yeah. going to talk about the Raptors, I promise. Nick Nurse had a very long press conference and we were going to react to a lot of the quotes. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, Ichiro, the, the highlights, the, the, the plays were like, I think this was like early YouTube days. It was a lot of the times where for me, I was still watching a lot of sports clips like on television, like the morning after or the night of, like trying to catch those type of shows and and, and seeing the highlight shows. And I would always look forward to each row highlight because it would always be like him like jumping up a wall and he would like put his cleats into the wall and then like jump into the other edge of the wall and then catch the ball off the thing. And it was like, I think it was like a Spider-Man catch. Mm-hmm. That's what they kind of called it too. And it was just like, damn, is this what you see from like Jackie Chan? In Russia, are trying to climb a wall, and meanwhile, this guy's just catching and saving a home run. So, salute to Ichiro! What a legendary athlete! Yeah, that was the coolest. And such a cool dude as cool well. Cool dude, like such a great story. Anybody should pull up his features, like just his work ethic, his backstory. I know more than just basketball. Yeah, just how obsessed I don't know about just how obsessed he was with the sport, and and that was the jersey to own uh, back in high school. Like if you had an Ichiro jersey, uh, you were cool, and I didn't, so I wasn't. Um, so. Yeah, we've we've got our uh, Asian Heritage Month event coming Monday, May sixteenth. That's right. Got a got a draft of uh, the poster, the promo graphic from friend of the program, Keyshawn Mystery. So tickets will be on sale this week. We'll have more details. Again, uh, you know, make that your one reason to keep listening to this show. Uh, we'll There's give, gonna be many reasons. People, yes, we'll you know, give, listen, Alex. We'll, people yes. are gonna miss hanging out with us. Yeah, yeah. Keep hanging out with us. We're, but my answer is, you don't have to because we're literally gonna be here two to three. Yeah, Monday to Friday, just like before. And eventually we'll be back on TV and YouTube. And it's like, you know what? Let's, right. let's keep hanging out. Let's keep talking about the the Raptors and also just the rest of the playoffs. Because honestly, day one of uh, the second round, tremendous. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's your review. It was tremendous. No, it was great games. It was great games yesterday. Did what would I say last week to you that, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, everybody picking against them. Everybody picking yeah. against Giannis. Yeah. Have we not learned... Like LeBron, the best player in the world for the past decade, ran through the East every single year. Mm-hmm. You got the Atlanta Hawks. You had the Toronto Raptors. The Boston Celtics were in there at some point. Yeah, the Toronto and Raptors again. The Toronto Raptors again. And then the Raptors again. Oh, no. And then the Raptors one more time. Oh, Got oh, swept. Yeah. But like every year there was a team that looked the best. Mm-hmm. Got to hear about the point differential. Got to hear about all the stats, all of that stuff. And you know what? If you have the best player in the world, it negates a lot of that. And listen, I know it's only one game. I don't want to take a full victory lap, but like, I just... Nah, you looked incredible. A man. lot of hype on the Celtics coming in, and understandably. I mean, all the stats, like, point towards the Celtics being the favorite mm-hmm. in the East. Yeah. And the Bucks are missing Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. But man, I don't know. Drew Holiday was the best guard on the floor yesterday. 
And Giannis was just the best player on the planet. I don't even think he played a great game. I mean, Grayson Allen might have been the second best guard. Yeah, that's the only one problem. Rooting for Grayson Allen, but you know, uh, I'm going to have to. Grayson Allen versus the city of Boston, you pick. He has really improved his game. Yeah. Like basketball wise, not just the other stuff. But yeah, I mean, my question to you is this Does this remind you a little bit of, I mean, I'm talking about the Celtics. Does it remind you of the 2019 season, the way we talked about the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, Do you remember? It, yeah, 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 yeah. Because they were on a historical pace as well. Yep. Right. They had played. Obviously, had a great regular season, number one seed. I think they swept the first round. Yeah, and then their point differential, they were like plus ten or something through the yeah. first eight games. Or so. I think they swept the first two rounds, to be honest, or something. No, no like it was four one against over Boston. Right. They lost the remember first the, game. After, Kyrie had that really good first game. Yeah, and then and yeah. then Paul Pierce went on air and was like, "I think this series is over." Yeah. And well, it was. Yeah. Listen, I think Boston will play better, but I mean. I think when you have the best player in the world, mm. you always you just always have to pick that team. Yeah, no, I think you know what um, basketball analysis is a, a lot simpler, and it doesn't necessarily <laughs> need ten hours of Raptors Sixers so previews. Saying, man. Back you in know, my day, might... you, back in my day, you just lined up the players and picked the team with the best player. We did do that exercise as well, <laughs> by the way, on the show, and I don't think you were part of it, but you were around. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think in that series, it was just like wow, like I, I just you know I had a great time watching with my brother um, both games on, on the weekend. And obviously both games were tremendous, uh, as I said earlier. And that, I mean, just like sitting on the couch and just like watching it as an impartial fan, as just like a fan of the game and seeing the plays Giannis was making, whether that was him like rotating over and blocking shots. And by the way, there was a play, I mean, I mean, the Bucks defense, when they really want to turn it up, is tremendous. Like they're so good at stopping you from getting into the paint. Um, there was a play where... Tatum had the ball, and he had to get past Drew Holiday, who was super strong as a guard, right? Get past him. Then Brooke Lopez stepped up to try to contain the drive. He got, he like, sidestepped past Brooke Lopez, and Brooke Lopez had a tremendous game the other day. I don't know why I keep saying tremendous, but, like, he, he just kept blocking shots and, and contesting so many shots, and he also was making good plays on the other end as well. But mostly defensively, it was back to, like, wow, he could really just single-handedly deny you of the rim. And Tatum not only got by those two defenders, got to the rim, got up for a finger roll, and then Giannis rotated over and blocked it at the summit. And it was like, how are you supposed to score in the paint against this team? You know, like they were just so good. And and then, the, for, of course, the play is just, you know, Giannis getting stuck in the post, pivoting, throwing it off the glass, and then dunking it. It was like, yo. Yeah, there was another one when he drove oh past. God. He dunked it, and I think his shoe fell off. He, like, dunked it and then just slipped his shoe back on and yep. just jogged back up court. Uh, Listen, man. it's one game, but, like, I hear all this chatter. Like, Jason uh -huh. Tatum, is he a top five player in the NBA? Like, let's, let's just watch this series first. That's all yeah. I'm saying. I'm just saying. Um, it does, with the, what Boston this year, it did remind me a little bit of that Milwaukee season. That 2019, it was, well, it was And then Kawhi showed up, and it was like, well, you know, their defensive numbers are really good, and the theory and everything, like, the practice, everything is good, but it's like, that guy, there's just no matchup for that guy, you yeah. know. And I don't, I don't know. I felt like they played a really good defensive game on Giannis too. Like he didn't yeah. shoot a fifty percent from Gian the field. Giannis even. was nine of twenty-five. He missed a bunch of free throws too. Yeah. Still got himself uh, a triple double. But like we've seen Giannis, like Giannis can have 40, 45, 50 point games yeah. in these environments. But so let's say, let me let me ask you another question about this. If the Bucks and if Giannis does this throughout the rest of the playoffs, which is no reason to think that they won't, and they go back to back. Which again, you know, after watching that performance, it wouldn't be a surprise whatsoever. Does that make him the face of the league? Are people going to say universally Giannis is the best player well, in the league? I feel league? like he already is the face of the league. Like I was home. Is, is he though? I was home yesterday watching the playoffs with my parents because my parents are huge NBA fans, 
And we were watching Golden State Memphis. Yeah, you didn't know this? No, I didn't. My mom tunes in every day and she like they've been watching basketball since the 90s. I thought they tuned in for you. No, man. They they like actually like basketball. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So like yeah, my right. dad, we were watching Golden State Memphis and my dad was like, how come I don't know anything about this Memphis team? Like, how are they the number two seed? Like, mm. who is this John Moran guy, John Jackson? And I'm like, because you don't get the coverage of the Grizzlies during the regular season. That was true. Because yeah. all my dad watches during the regular season is whatever they put on TV. And it's usually like the Lakers. You know what I mean? He's like, I, I, oh, that's Austin Reeves. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, jaw, jaw, what? <laughs> no, but but to your point though, it's like uh-huh. I think Giannis is already for the face of the league. Okay, it's just that the coverage doesn't reflect that, right? And that's the big disconnect. Like, do we really want to hear about? And we will like next season again about LeBron, and like we'll get to the Nick Nurse presser. Like Katie, he had to address, Kyrie. he had to address Lakers rumors, yeah. you know, in his exit interview and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, you have you, you had to hear about Brooklyn. And I'm not saying like LeBron and KD are like washed, but like there's a new generation now. Like I want to see more like Giannis. I want to see more John Moran. I want to see more Luca. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to turn on the TV 10:30 every night and it's the Lakers. Yeah. Like you know. So so to answer your question, like I think Giannis is already the face of the league. Like he just needs okay. to be promoted that way. I hope so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I always thought that this is another question. Is just like should coverage of the league and like the amount of coverage that's given to each thing should it be given to the most relevant person or the most controversial person or should it be given to the best player yeah but like why not both though right like why can't you have your LeBron he's not contra- he's not there's nothing controversial I, I know. Giannis. he's just like a great basketball player is everything the right way right. stayed you know and true to the organization even though they didn't win a championship mm-hmm. they paid off he, he's been great he's great every game like i don't know there's just somehow some i guess for a lot of people it's not as interesting as like oh lebron like pushed eric spolstra yeah, like think about like, think about Phoenix. Like, I wonder how much coverage Phoenix would get more of if there was actually controversy, right? Like, there's not much fun. I mean, just- there is controversy. Chris Paul kicks people in the nuts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, if, if you're a fan of Kyle Lowry, how are you not a fan of Chris Paul? Because Kyle Similar doesn't players. kick people in the nuts. He yeah, just he, crawls on their legs. Oh my god. Anyway, no, it's true though. Yes. No, but I was. Um, so we we did first round predictions. I don't know if you remember. Before yes. the start of the playoffs. I do. I do. And, and the format we did was we went through each series. We took turns picking. And if we wanted the same team, we couldn't pick the same amount of games. Or if we just wanted the other team, obviously, we each picked a team. So then we wouldn't have any crossover, like yes. overlap in our yeah. picks. And we took out the Raptors Sixers series because we both said Raptors in seven. So basically, we picked seven series. And I tallied them up. And uh, you won 4-3. Nice. So, nice. Uh, so wraps in seven then. <laughs> so the Will pri- in seven, yeah. So the prize was I wanted a Leafs jersey. Go Leafs tonight. Got the Leafs in. And no, I'm not going to pick the Leafs. People are going to get mad at me. Um, And for you, so you win an SVP gift card from me. Uh, wow. Let's just settle that in a couple months. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who would have seen this one coming? No Alex rush. not settling. His no debts. rush. No, we'll settle up. We'll settle up. Yeah, well, you want to go through some of these predictions? Well, yeah, so, listen, we'll, we'll talk about the Nick Nurse thing. Nick Nurse thing seems like up. a second half segment. No, Nick Nurse thing coming up in the second half. So, um, so Miami, Atlanta, we both had Miami. You took the Heat in five. I took the Heat in six. So yep. you were right on that one. Um, Milwaukee, Chicago, you had them in a sweep. <sighs> And then so I was forced to take them in five, and the Bulls did pull one out, so I took that one. I'm so mad about this. Um, I should have just taken them in five, but I don't know. I think this might have been my first pick, too. But was, everybody thought they were going to get swept. They should have been swept. They lost by like 100 points. Yeah. By yeah. the way, Shosa, man, seeing Serge in garbage time. Yeah, it's tough. You know? man. When, when Serge is having to share the floor with Thanasis. <sighs> Shosa, Serge, though. Hope, he, hope he gets that ring. Yeah. Uh, tough pick for me. I took Brooklyn in seven. Yeah. You took the Celtics in six. Obviously, that was a sweep. 
So that went to you. You also got Phoenix in six over New Orleans. Mm. I have Phoenix in five. I took Dallas in seven. Yeah. You had Utah in seven. And Dallas this is only because the, the news was that Luca was going to be out yeah, but for even, a significant portion. You know what? I just always believe in the vibes though. Like, yeah. you know, you got to believe in the vibes a little bit. I, I think in this case, it's a belief that there's significantly negative vibes yeah. with the Utah Jazz. And when you watch, like, obviously, I think Dallas won the first game. And it was like, Wow. No, so, Dallas lost the first game. Oh, uh, but and they, then won they the bounced game. back. Yeah, yeah. They but bounced they were back very close the in the first one. game, too. Yep. And it was like, wow, Brunson and Dinwiddie are really just going to like average 60 in this series. Well, Jalen Brunson was putting if up numbers. I think he was the first player to average like over 25 points with like less than like three turnovers or something since like yeah. Larry Bird. No, his game is, he's really tough. Um, <laughs> yeah. for, I, mean, I just think he has this ability to like drive into you as a small guard, shoot over you as a small guard. Uh, is a phys- I love small guards with the physicality element to their game. I know a lot of people compared him to Fred. I can see a little bit of that, but I think he has a better scoring skill set than Fred. Quite frankly, it doesn't maybe catch and shoot as well as Fred, but he can get his shot off a lot of different scenarios. Uh, he's going to get a, a, a big bag this offseason, and you think he deserves it. And um, yeah, for Utah, they should just be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a report. They should be ashamed of themselves. There was a man. report oh, out today. I-, I don't know if it's been confirmed by other sources that... Rudy Gobert apparently went to management and said, you got to trade one of us. And they're like, we know. <laughs> and they're like, it's going to be They're like, you. what are you telling me for? Like, I, yo, listen, I know how to do my job, Rudy. It's for you to do yours. They're like, it's going to be you. Uh, Rudy's been putting some Toronto rumors. So. Yeah. So we'll see. You want to pay $40 million? Okay, here's, okay, let's have a quick Rudy conversation. Sure. Because again, it's, it's the offseason. We have much more time to talk about Rudy. Sure, sure. Would Rudy Gobert be a very, very good piece for the Raptors? Absolutely. But what are you giving up is my question, though. Forget what are you even giving up. Do you want to pay 40... How much did he get? How much money does he yeah, make? Yeah, he's got a max contract, I think, for uh, the next four or five years. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, you're basically, first off, like, you have no cap flexibility from this point onwards. Eventually, you're going to have to give Stoddy Barnes a max contract. Yep. You know, especially if he continues to develop the way he's going. Um, you know, you're going to give other guys raises, whatever. Some guys, he might move out for Rudy, right? But the ultimate thing is, do you really want to pay Rudy $40 million? Because it's not like he doesn't provide value to your team. He absolutely provides value, provides value at a position that you don't have as much of a long-term solution at. Although, to be fair, I think Precious has really shown a ton of growth. But if we're also going to be honest, Rudy Gobert is a much more accomplished player mm-hmm. than Precious, at least as of right now. Um, and I, think, take, I think Rudy gets so much slander. People actually like underappreciate yeah, of, his of defensive course. impact. Absolutely. However, when you come time for the playoffs, does he provide you $40 million worth of value? Mm-hmm. When you're looking at a salary cap that maybe, you know, in a few years it'll be 120 or whatever, but does he provide that much of a share of value? Because offensively, like, there is there is value in him, like, rolling to the basket and being a lob threat, but you know he's not a very good finisher outside of dunks and layups. Um, and defensively, you really are committed to playing one way with him. Like, you could probably, with a more creative coach and more creative personnel, but obviously better perimeter defenders, you can play a different style. But to me, I'm just not fully convinced you get, like, you get like max contract value from him in the playoffs. So for me, I'm, I'm kind of stu- stepping away from that. Yeah, I'm just stuck on, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a good match because, you know, I just, I just don't want the Raptors to give up any of their core pieces for this. I think Rudy would work really well in another situation where there's a more established team and you're, you're able to take on that salary and have him as kind of like a quote-unquote final piece. Um, you, or, know, you know which team should take him? Dallas. Yeah. You know what? That would actually make a lot of sense. Yes. I was thinking, I don't know how the mathematics would work. Like even like I could see a team like Brooklyn taking a swing at something like that. 
but I just don't. I know. don't know, man. You'd have to consult Kyrie as a GM. <laughs> well, I, I also Kyrie's like, yo, Josiah, I got this. <laughs> he man. told Josiah to clear out. Joe's like, I built Alibaba. You, you, you can't even build me a first round. Yeah, win. I don't. I don't know how the money or pieces would work, but a, a team like a Brooklyn okay. or somebody. But yeah. anyways, I, I've just heard uh, Toronto been mentioned. And yeah, I think, no, and I think people will mention fair. Pascal, and like that's a non-starter for me, bro. To be that's honest. that's a that's a terrible trade. No, I'm, yeah. I'm not about that. Take and me back to Pascal for uh, James Wiseman and Andrew Wiggins. I, I think, yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't think the Raptors. I don't. I don't think it makes sense for the Raptors, quite frankly. But uh, that doesn't mean that you don't find value, or I don't find value in, in Rudy Gobert. I think there's a lot of value. I just think that come time for the playoffs, like if you have Rudy Gobert on your team, you must you better have like a a really really phenomenal number one guy who can handle the the ball and create so much offense for you because I just think that you're committing so many resources in one thing that, you know, just quite frankly, offensively, like there's not as much value to be gained from it in the playoffs. And even defensively, the value drops slightly. The rest of our uh, predictions, I had Golden State in five. You had Golden State in uh, six. So you got that one? Yep. Because the Warriors won in five, right? They did. And uh, then I had Memphis in seven. You had Memphis in six. So you. So I got that one. So you ended up winning four three. Let's just let's just real quick do do our second round predictions. Okay. Even though the two series have started, I did. What are the stakes now? Because I already uh, got this SVP. We'll we'll just continue this, so then I have a chance to come back. Come on, that's not even double or nothing. That's literally just same thing. Nothing or or, (laughs) same thing or nothing. The Alex Wong special. (laughs) No, this is terrible. So, so loser has to go uh, at be the valedictorian at producer Derek Brandeo's. Graduation. Wouldn't he be the valedictorian? Oh, oh right, 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 right. <laughs> All right. But anyways, yeah. real quick, because I did have the Bucks. So I'll I'll drive first. So I'll take the Bucks in seven in that series. Bucks in seven. I, st- I'm still sticking with Celtics in seven. Okay. I still think the Celtics win the series. Okay. Um. So then I'll let you pick first with Golden State, Memphis, Memphis, uh, down one zero. I'm gonna take Warriors in five. Damn. Okay. I'm gonna take Warriors in six. Okay. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna take the Miami Heat in six. Yeah. That's that's a good one. <sighs> Man. Six is the exact number I wanted to take. I, I guess I'll take Heat in five. Okay. Yeah, I, I do really like the Heat. And honestly, let's be real honest. Like, we saw the Sixers team very up close. They have four guys on the team. And if you take Joel out of that equation, I would be extremely disappointed if Miami couldn't pull it out. I know they got injuries in their own to deal with. Kyle Lowry is out tonight for game yeah. one. That's unfortunate. But no, nah, I guess team, I'm still though. taking Heat Yeah, in five, they got yeah. a deep team. And yeah, okay. And then last one, I'll let you pick uh, Dallas Phoenix. Man, I think I'll, I'll take I'll take Phoenix in six. Uh, seven? I'll take seven. I'll take seven. Damn. Okay, I'll take Phoenix in six then. Okay. All right. No, it's gonna be real fun. So <laughs> so when we man, one hour is even easier. or nothing. <laughs> I can't believe it. I, I had I had this gift card in my hand. <laughs> And uh, somehow you're still alive. No, remember the time, speaking of Asian Heritage Month, remember the time you gave me a red pocket on air and then asked for it back right away? (laughs) Okay, Uh, fair enough. This is karma. Fair enough. This is karma. Man, the one hour is chill. Yeah, no, it really is chill. So Nick Nurse did his end of season interview Mm -hmm. today. So when we come back, we'll go through some of his comments and talk about it. That's right. Um, You've been listening to The Raptor Show on Sports 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Walu. That's Alex Wong. And we'll be back with thoughts on... Nick Nurse and his season-ending presser. Stay tuned. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Walu. I continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. And uh, as promised, we will get to Nick Nurse's season-ending press conference availability. He spoke for 45 minutes, spoke at length about everything. And uh, Alex, uh, I know you have a couple of... uh, you know, quotes and clips and everything like that for us. So go ahead, man. Yeah. By the way, Masai Jerry is speaking tomorrow. Yes. So we'll cover that on tomorrow's show. When's Bobby going to speak? Um, I think he's off. I, I think he already... he's he's back with the CIA. So <laughs> you got to listen to the the Raptor show. Oh, that's right. Mm. Uh, so yeah, Blake Murphy is off this week. So yeah, Blake Murphy Tuesday should return soon, and then Wednesday we haven't forgotten about all the player exit interviews too. By the way. But we thought that would be um, something that we could use later in the week to really start talking about the offseason. Yeah, you want to ration the and content. Some of these and I want to ration the content. Yeah, yeah. Scotty Barnes speaking, uh, saying ni hao to uh, Utah Watanabe. That's a Friday, uh, you know, content. That's all that the content use. we have on Friday. Maybe uh, by, by Friday, I mean next Friday. So we'll yeah, see if we can ration for two weeks. Anyways, Nick Nurse, like you mentioned, spoke today with the media. And when he was asked about... The Raptors' top priority this offseason, he said it should be adding depth around the core and said that they could use specifically another catch-and-shoot presence and more athletic wing players to continue playing the way that they want to play. Mm -hmm. He also, I believe, mentioned uh, elsewhere in the interview that he would prefer maybe more of a rim presence as well. Uh, Any surprises to you on, on, on that wish list from Nick? No, not at all. I think he's hit right on. The catch and shoot presence definitely is going to be needed. Again, I'm going to be going to this stat a hundred times, but like the Raptors in the last three games in that Sixers series shot 23 for 100 on threes. 23 Yo, for 100. We kept saying they were due. Bro, I, we, I kept, guess we kept dissing Danny weren't. Green. Danny Green would have had half that total by himself. That hurts. So, Unsubscribe. Yeah, Inside the green. One, one star. No, don't matter, give the one star, matter, man. That's really vicious. Report the show. No, do not report the show. Um, God. Yeah. But catch and shoot, definitely. I think that you definitely need it. Yeah. Um, we'll see that what that means about certain guys on the team because I think the guys this year, um, Speed was that catch and shoot guy. He got cut from the rotation. I think it's very unlikely he returns. Utah was another guy who was discussed in that in that role, but was never really given that role. And to, to be frank, I think Nick and them have talked to him about he just needs to be a better shooter because his defense can play. Mm-hmm. We all know this about Utah. We could have told you about this last year as well. Um, a guy like Armani, who was signed for the rest of the year and has an option for next year and beyond and stuff like that. But, like, you know, we'll see what 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 is done there. But realistically, a catch-and-shoot presence would be huge. Um, more athletic wing players is kind of funny because that's the whole team. Yeah. So but Nick, I think it Nick just wants the, more. <laughs> it speaks yeah. to the mindset. He's like, yeah, you know, if we only had one more 6'9 wing, I think it would have been different. Um, and then, you know, I think a, a rim presence would also definitely help. I think the thing with this is just like, okay, so you're getting to like a lot of different areas. Ideally, if you can get all of these in like one player, I think that would be the best case scenario. And I think if if at all possible, the Raptors should be trying to get these issues solved in like one and maybe two players. Because I don't think there's actually that much space in the rotation. Because like you, you look at the roster, like they're going to bring everyone back and we'll, trust me, we'll go through tons of offseason stuff and look at the offseason contracts and strategies and everything like that. But like, um, the guys are going to be back. Like, the team that you saw, the same starting five, will be back once again. And then, you know, we'll see what happens with Chris. We'll see what happens with Thad. But Precious is definitely going to come back. That's six guys in the rotation already. If you sign one of those free agents, sign both those free agents, that's eight guys in your rotation. You're not going to 
you know, address all these things individually. I think ideally if you can have, like, a, a player who can do both, like, you know, um, if you want to look at, like, for example, what Brook Lopez did for Milwaukee, right? Three-point shooting threat, but also a guy who has a rim presence and, and, and can really block shots and deter shots. You know, um, I think the Raptors have been linked to a guy like Miles Turner. That is a three-point shooting threat and a guy who can, can, can block some shots. You know, on a lesser scale, Mo Bamba, right? Uh, free agent this offseason. I believe restricted, but we'll see. Uh, and, again, same kind of idea, right? I think the idea is to aggregate these skills into one or one, or one at most two players because, you know, the rotation is only going to be so deep. Yeah, I think the the rotation will only change significantly if the Raptors go down the route of making a trade, like accumulating some of the assets in the core group sure. and getting another player. But again, I still see that as unlikely, though. Yeah, no, same. I, yeah. I think... I think maybe this is more bracing Raptors fans for expectations for the offseason and going into next season. As much as we talked about development this year, to me, next year is just another year of development. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that, you know, there's no expectations after you've won 48 games and made the playoffs. But I think it's another year of seeing what this core can do. And the least exciting thing people want to hear heading into free agency, heading into the summer is internal development. But, you know, from all the players talking and even Nick, like that is the main theme for this team, right? Yeah, like, like what's Scotty going to do, you know, with this offseason? Uh, Pascal, because he had surgery last summer. He wasn't able to have a, an offseason. What will he look like when he comes back? Et cetera, et cetera. So, but, I mean, really quick on this. Mm-hmm. I also don't think people should expect them to come back totally different players. No. Because how many times does that happen? Remember? Like, I remember, trust me, I was in that phase too. I was like, wow. Demar just posted a graphic from uh, <laughs> 5 a.m. in the morning where he's looking at like the you know the the shooting you know machine or whatever that, right. that that collects rebounds and shoots the ball back at you and stuff and it's like oh man he made 65 percent of his threes and he took like 800 threes mm-hmm. and it's like I mean did that change did he come back and hit threes not really that's one of the hardest workers in the league I don't it's just it's hard to imagine like guys coming back and being entirely different in fact if you just really uh, believe that they're going to polish up certain skill sets mm-hmm. um, and come back as a better version of themselves. I think that's a probably better way to sort of expect out of guys rather than thinking they're going to come back a different player. Because, like, how many players come back in an offseason are entirely different players? Not no, that I'm, many. I'm completely with you. Yeah. I, just think, I just think, you know, Masai in the front office, Bobby, they probably want to see what that looks like for another year. Or at least, you know, the start of next season. Like, I think this yeah. core group has earned that right to, to come back and see what they can build on. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because there's going to be a lot of talk about how, you know, all the injuries throughout the season, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, trust me. Like, I don't want to hear them talking about, you know, we're going to find this catch-and-shoot presence. We're going to find this three-point shooter from within. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to go outside and get this catch-and-shoot threat. Uh, yeah, it's a clear yeah. liability on the team. And, you know, for them to succeed, like, we saw that in game six, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, or throughout the season when the when teams went to zone against them. Yeah. Like, who is that one guy? Like, who is that one guy that, that can just, like, you know, take over or, like, shoot, you know, a high volume, you know, from, from beyond the arc? And once Fred was out, you know, there really wasn't that person. Um, so another thing, you know, Nick was asked about, there were a lot of reports after the Lakers season ended that clutch client Nick Nurse uh, was, you know, on the radar mm. for the Los Angeles Lakers. It seems like they've moved on. I think Milwaukee Bucks assistant coach Darvin Ham is getting an interview, um, amongst other names. Saw a lot of uh, 
reports of it on the broadcast yesterday. A lot of camera shots. Oh, yeah, that's why they never were panning that, to Darvin Ham. I've never all seen that many uh, yeah. camera pans to an assistant coach. It's, yeah. it's, you know, honestly, it's funny how the league works, which honestly, it's, I'm not saying funny, like it's like some sort of conspiracy. I just think that, like, no, it's actually, actually is, funny. It actually is kind of funny. No, it's actually is funny. Anyway, so yeah. Nick refuted those uh, reports today. He said, quote, I don't know where that stuff comes from. Uh, I do. Um, and I'm focused on coaching this team. So hopefully that puts the Nick Nurse to Lakers rumors to rest, right? Yeah. I mean, I, again, I've said this before. I'm saying it again. The Raptors are the only team in the NBA that has to do player for agency, GM for agency and coaching for agency. So if we can like not do one of those, I, it'd be nice because quite frankly, not even player for agency is that interesting to me. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, look, Nick is part of your leadership structure. And I think the Raptors leadership structure, like part of the, the you know, it's partially a compliment that these guys get so much interest. We've seen Masai linked to different teams and different teams being interested. We've seen Bobby Webster getting, you know, uh, linked to other clubs as well. And I think Chicago was the last one that sort of came calling and, you know, and, you know, the stories come out. It's like, well, you know, Bobby's dad is from Chicago and, you know, he grew up a Bulls fan and he had like, you know, Ryan Seinberg. Is that a guy in baseball? Come yeah, on. Yeah, Ryan Seinberg. Someone. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm so, I lost, both, I lost my momentum real, on this one. We're both real quiet on that yeah. last, last name because we're but not very sure. Anyway, I think it's a Y in there. But in any case. Um, yes, you know, Ryan Seinberg. Yes, he's a Hall of Famer, I believe. <laughs> this is so let's, embarrassing. Yeah, let's just, any other sports. let's just take the uh, basketball. But like, you know, it was like. Bobby's involved and 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 now and you saw Teresa was you know with the Chicago Blackhawks and it was like all this other stuff and it's like all it really says is that the Raptors are a really or, good organization they have a lot of good people in there it's a lot of people interested in um you know having that situation for themselves and I think that and this is the same case but one of the reasons the Raptors are so successful is they have complete alignment from top down right um you know and Nick is a huge part of that and and I know some people were like, well, you know, Nick could have done this and this. and the-. I mean, it's like you can always say a coach could have done this and this. But realistically, when you look on over the balance of the season, Nick has done such a good job getting the absolute most out of this team. And, um, you know, that's something that you can always say about Nick all the time. And uh, that's what I want in my coach. Yeah, I mean, you just got to zoom out from the playoff disappointment. I mean, the 48 wins. You know, the things that this team were able to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and like Raptors fans have seen a lot of bad coaches throughout the years. Like you don't want to see the other side sometimes. Like Nick Nurse has, Nick Nurse I think has accomplished a lot. I mean, championship aside. And and having that alignment, like you mentioned with the front office. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't go inside his head, but you know, you're not getting that type of alignment, uh, you know, with the Lakers, with an organization oh, like the Lakers. Please. Yeah, that, that's one. That the Lakers literally have zero alignment between the coach, the the star player, and the front <laughs> office and ownership. It's actually really funny to look at. They have complete; they're completely disconnected at every stage. Yeah, like who would Nick even interview with LeBron? Like, yeah, legit. <laughs> like legit though. I'm LeBron just sits asking. down with like Anthony Davis sitting <laughs> beside him as the hiring manager, and, and, and Austin they, Reeves on the other side. Nick Nurse has to print Big his three. own copies of the resume and hand it out, and they're like, "Oh man, yeah." Like, Nick Nurse is going to write a cover letter. <laughs> Like, we don't need to go that far into it, but the way uh-huh. that Frank Vogel found out that he was fired via social media after the last game, it's like, do you really want to be part of that organization, especially when you're with an organization like the Raptors? Yeah. Like, seriously. No, so, I mean, anyways. I think if he had taken that job, obviously, number one, they would have to offer a ton of money, which, by the way, I don't think, um, the, you know, MLSC is lacking in money. I don't think, by the way, the like the Lakers might be lacking in money based on the way they're managing their roster. Just look at the Alex Caruso situation. Um, but also it's like, you know what? The other part is just like you really got to be like a Lakers stand or you got to really be like a really big like ego maniac to want to take on that job to save them. 
Yeah. Because you know it's most likely going to consume you rather than you are going to save them. So, yes. Anyway, uh, Nick is here to say in Toronto, I I was never really worried at all about this. And uh, yeah, you know, happy to hear more British Basketball League stories. Yeah, me too. And next thing for Nick is to come on the show. Yes, definitely. We're going to keep pressing. No, we're going to get it done. Although he deserves a vacation, let's be real. We're going to get it done. Um, Related to this, Nick also talked about his relationship with Masai. He said, quote, Masai and I have a great relationship mostly because we want to win championships. That's what I sense he's trying to do every day, and that's what I'm trying to do every day. It was a great season, but a first-round exit is not what we want to do. I know a lot of this is like lip service, et cetera, but like... No, it's not. I this, think this, this is completely this is, from the heart no, and but, completely fact. No, I get it, but it, yeah. I think people will take it as as just something that people say, right? Like, yeah. like you would say this, that, you know, the head coach and the president, you know, of basketball operations is focused on winning a championship, but like they've done it before. Yeah, and I love that them saying that a first-round exit is not what we want to do. Like, I, I think that you can acknowledge like that this is a really... Um, positive year that this there was a lot of things that broke right for them and i think there's a lot of reason to believe in the future of this team and that the cores you know are very established and they have a really good um core and a good situation going on here but i also like them being very explicit about it like they want to do better than this like the, you know you might have good like feelings about this season and there's absolute reason to feel proud of this season however this is like one step towards something you know, and I think that them making that clear is really cool because you don't want the players to be complacent. I don't really get a sense that anyone is complacent in an organization. That total like dedication to this this idea is, you know, again, it's just another sign that there's a great alignment. I also love um, Nick also saying to, to Masai, he's like, he's like, yeah, Masai talks to me about coaching, and I talked to him about the roster management. Imagine talking to Masai and be like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if this is the right the, the roster was built. Like, come on. But no, it's it's really good, though. No, I think that they have this ability to sort of form this brain trust. Honestly, you go to practice, a lot of the times you'll see um, after, you know, the doors open, the media light, and you see Masai, Bobby, and, and Nick, like, huddled together. And they just, like, stand cross-armed and they, they just talk, you know? And who knows? They could be just talking about, like, where to go in the city for, for good food and good music. But, like, they might, you know, also be geniuses at what they do. And uh, I feel very, very blessed that uh, they can, or, you know, lead this organization. Yeah, uh, you know, my takeaway from that quote is, you know, this Raptors organization always has uh, higher ambitions. Oh. It's always higher ambitions. We, we did the Goran thing, right? We yeah, yeah, I'm done. No more Goran. We're retiring Goran. No, the only reason Goran Dragic is relevant is because of the Raptors. So. If, I, if I bring up Goran Dragic on the show ever again here in the offseason, you know I'm struggling for content, just to let you know. Yeah, um, fair. No, honestly. Nick was also asked about managing Fred's minutes. As everybody knows, Fred ended up missing the last, what, two-plus games mm-hmm. of the Sixers series. Uh, Nick said, quote, it would be advisable to get him down to 35 to 36 <laughs> minutes rather than the high 30s. I'm sorry. I had the exact same reaction when I read this quote. I oh, was man. like, I thought he was going to say like 30 to 32. Oh, man. This is like when you're, it's like when your Asian parents are like, yeah, yeah, instead of five hours of homework... Four and a half is good. He's like you need time. You need leftover time to play. You can piano. play Game Boy for <laughs> ten minutes. I looked up Fred's minutes. So this season he averaged thirty-seven point nine minutes. I didn't double check, but that's got to be a, said, either legally <laughs> two less minutes. Yo, two minutes not gonna do nothing, man. Come on. No, what kind of rounding is this? He said, "Let's get him down from the high 30s. Man. So that he's at 35 to 36. That's a mathematical error. So the season before last year, he averaged 36.5 minutes. Mm. And the year before that, 35.7 minutes. Yeah. 
So basically, he's just trying to shave off two minutes off Fred's workload. He's like, man, we really got to let him take it easy. I really hope Asian they, dad. <laughs> oh, man. I really hope they take this a little bit more, like, seriously. But, you know, my, my question, too, is, is, like, I think based on the way Fred plays, and he's, you know, obviously he's a dogged player. He's, he's like, yeah. really physical. He plays deep. He's really committed to the defensive end. He also drives a ton. And, like, you know, he's a smaller guard. He's going to take a lot of hits and stuff like that. Like, even if you play him... <laughs> two minutes fewer per game. Is that gonna is that gonna change anything about his availability? Like we've seen him pick up these minor injuries throughout the course of the season in previous seasons as well. I just think that like that's just part and parcel of what it is to play in the modern NBA now. I think there's so much like twisting and rotating and, and guys flying out and you know jumping and all these and guards are getting quicker and more athletic and it's like how many players in the league play eighty two games? Like that used to be a more common thing. Like who does that nowadays? You know, and especially for a, a guy like Fred who, who is as committed as he is on both ends. Like, I think you kind of really have to look at the idea that, like, do we have backups in place that if he misses time, and chances are pretty good he'll miss, like, three or four weeks in the course of the season. Like, everybody's going to miss three or four weeks in the course of the season. Do you have an adequate backup so that your level doesn't drop off too much? Because I don't think lowering his minutes two minutes a game is going to do anything. <laughs> no, it, it will not. Uh, Nick also said that he thinks that Scotty and Pascal's growth as playmakers can take some toll off Fred. And again, these are just all half measures. Like, I, I need I need Fred to just play like 33 minutes. That's not going to make a difference either, man. I'm telling you. Like, if he's going to be committed to being a, a top defender, then people he's, he's going to probably suffer some injuries. And that's okay. Like, there's nothing against him. You know, he's really well conditioned. It's just like you need to have depth and backups available. No, like, we can't have another season where he's playing the whole second half with injuries and then ultimately not available. I think we could see this coming from afar, mm. from the minute that he started playing those 48-minute games yeah. during the, the couple-week stretch. And he's 28 now. You know, you know, at some point, too, like as he heads into his 30s, I know this is looking more long-term. Like You just got to manage the player. Yeah. This is, what, just, this, this is what you told DT about me. <laughs> no, this is what I told DT about me. <laughs> As you head into your 40s. Oh, man. Anyways, last quote. Golden years. Nick Nurse. What? Nick Nurse on Scotty Barnes's development. He said, quote, for me, I'm always going to say, can he really become a more consistent, dominant type defender? We're going to watch his scoring skills and shooting skills increase year by year here. We'll watch that and we'll enjoy that. Uh, I think that's a good way. This, this is a good way to kind of tee up Scotty's second year for him, right? Like challenging him to be more consistent and, and even using the word more dominant on, on the defensive end because that was what was advertised coming in. And, and if anything, the offense was ahead of the curve. Yeah. Um, I think the Raptors already, have already done this. Like I, I forget which time we had um, David Thorpe on the show and he talked about how the Raptors are not only – are they giving him these tough reps, right, where you can see him guarding Luka for a game. You can see him guarding Tatum for a game. You can see him guarding Bradley Beal for a game. You'll see him guarding Joel Embiid for a game or Jokic or whatever. Like, not only is that, like, a challenge to Scotty, but it's also, like, they're trying to get data on, like, what matchups are good for him. What does he do well in these matchups? Where can he improve? And I think that this, this season was a lot of, like, data collection in addition to the idea that, like, you want to challenge for these things. His data collection in the sense that for Scott, he has more experience covering these players, reading the scouting report, understanding their tendencies, seeing them burn you once in a while, right? Um, but also, it's also, like, uh, for the front office, it's, like, this, this good data here of what he could do. And quite frankly, like, we know that there's there's this high potential to be reached there. And, and, and we also know that Nick Nurse is, you know, a defense-first coach. Like, uh, more than anything else, it's a defense-first approach. The roster is built in a defense-first um, 
way. And and even when the Raptors won the championship, they won that thing by playing the best defense that we had seen in a playoff team since the 04 Pistons. Like, you know, and, and that's the identity of the Raptors. And I think that Scotty is no exception to that. Of course, we would also like to see the offensive improvements as well. Quite frankly, those feel more exciting when you watch them. But the, the reason why the Raptors win so much is because their defense. And as the Raptors' defense solidified itself over the course of the season, that's when the Raptors' record started to get much better and better. And um, I think Scotty absolutely has the potential to do it. But it's, it's also you look at Scotty and it's like he has limitless potential. You can kind of imagine Scotty doing anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, Nick Nurse is a three-level coach, you know? Offense, defense, what's the third level? Calling out refs before the game. Uh, Special teams. (laughs) Yeah, special teams. No, I'm with you, man. It'll be exciting. Yeah, Yeah. so we've got the Maasai presser tomorrow, so we'll talk about that Mm -hmm. tomorrow and then throughout the week. We'll obviously sprinkle in some playoff content, but also start reviewing some of the players too, right? Some of the players from this season yeah, and and things of that nature. And um, And I look forward to, you know, talking the rest of the playoffs, man. You know, I'm a versatile content maker. I never said you weren't. Why are you looking at me? Well, it was it, it was it was a little awkward when we started talking about the Cubs earlier. <laughs> oh but, yeah, 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 yeah. Show to Ryan's this Sandberg. Yeah, we'll be at the Jays game on Wednesday. That's right. DM me if you want to know so, what so, section Will I, is in. I, I didn't stands. even know that was a uh, Star Wars. Is it gonna be? Is it Star Wars night for that night? I don't know. I just asked for tickets, man. I don't ask oh, questions. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I just want to know, like, do I gotta come come through with like a Star Wars outfit? Do I gotta no, on, man? Like, please just like, just dress just normal. Can I? You know what? Wear the beautiful you know what, purple actually, sweater real that you quickly. have on today. Yeah. Are you are you the type to bring a glove to the game? No glove. I'll bring food to the game though, because you can yeah. bring food from yeah. outside. I understand. Yeah. yeah. You're gonna bring the hot dog from that's that's <laughs> that's sold across. No the glove, street. man. I did once once catch a Ed Spray Grand Slam off Randy Johnson as a kid though. Wow. In the outfield. Yeah. yeah. And what I don't know I don't know where that ball is anymore. Anyways. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that sounds like what it's like. But maybe maybe I'll bring a glove. All right. That does it for us. Today, I'm your host, Wolu. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review our show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Fan 590 Monday to Friday between 2 and 3 p.m. Thanks again to my producer and co-host, Alex Wong, and to our board producer, Derek Brandale. I'll talk to you soon, and go, Lisco.